take your seats, and this is now part one of today's sermon. It has three parts. The first two are longer. The last part is rather brief. Don't be afraid. <laughs> the title of this sermon number one is Back for Community. Back, back in the building, back together, back in groups, as much as you feel safe to be, bless you, if you don't feel safe to be yet, but if you do feel safe to be and you are, bless you, back, back together for community. And here's the point I want to make then. It's already implied by the title. God has created us, human beings, for community. However broken, in whatever state of disrepair our experiences of community thus far in life may have been, Jesus Christ redeems us into a community. We become part of the community of the saints, part of the household of God, the household of the redeemed. And I want to impress upon you that a whole, a whole lot, a ton of that community is to be experienced throughout the week, but also on the Lord's Day, on Sundays. We are meant to gather together regularly and in the absence of global pandemics, weekly, and as hopefully global pandemics are in decline more and more weekly, we are meant to gather to experience all the one another's of the New Testament. Love one another, pray for one another, uphold and support one another, bear with one another's burdens, just all the one another's of the New Testament are supposed to be our weekly experience in our weekly gatherings. That's where they happen. They are a great part of God's means of grace toward us. Uh, you might imagine that church gatherings are like a spigot. God has grace he wants to deliver to us. On Sunday, we open the spigot wide, and a whole lot of God's grace is passed around as brothers and sisters in Christ fellowship, admonish one another, exhort one another, encourage one another, pray with and for one another. And I want to read you a few scriptures that just kind of back this whole idea up that we are back for community. Acts 2.42, rightly, it is a well-known verse. Some of you will probably have it memorized, but here's, here's how it reads. And they, this is the early church, these are the new believers. Christ had just ascended. Peter preached a great sermon. Thousands of people believed and were baptized. And they, here's what they did. They devoted themselves. The Greek verb is proskartereo. It means to continue steadfastly in, or as our version there says, to devote yourself to. It means they were really into this. What are you into? You tap one of them on the shoulder. What are you into? I'm into these things. To the apostles' teaching. So when the apostles put feed in the trough, all the cows showed up. We want some of the food. They devoted themselves to that. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They were like, you mean other believers are going to be there? And we can stand around before and afterward and fellowship together? Oh, I want to be there. They devoted themselves to that. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That's communion. You mean we're going to 
have the table of the Lord and we're going to eat the bread and drink the cup together that reminds us of his body and his blood. And I can be there and do that. And they devoted themselves to doing that. And they devoted themselves to the prayers, the corporate prayers. I want to gather with brothers and sisters and be led in prayer. I want to hear other people of God pray. So they devoted themselves, thousands of them. This became a way of life for them. Uh, The apostles teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. We're back for that. We're back for that. Now that's Acts chapter 20. A little later in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, that's Acts chapter 2. A little later in Acts chapter 20, Paul writes this. Acts 20 verse 7, or Luke writes this about Paul. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. This is one of the great verses that lets us know the believers were now regularly meeting on Sundays. There was a new day for Christian worship. It was no longer the last day of the week. It is now the first day of the week. And that's when disciples gathered for the breaking of bread. It was probably an evening meeting because that would have been a work day for the majority of them. So they probably gathered in the evening, which helps explain what will come when the next slide comes up. Not yet, though. And when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, now, next slide, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Now you all see why it might be important to understand this is a service that started at like 7 p.m. But even if it started at 7 p.m., he just kept on preaching until midnight. We're going to try that someday, all right? We're going to have an evening service, so we're going to go till midnight. We'll have like different elders. We'll cycle through. One guy gets an hour. Another guy gets an hour. We're going to go to midnight, see if anybody falls out the window and dies. Because that happened here. And don't, don't do that because we can't raise you up, all right? So we're not apostles. But they were there for that on the first day of the week. Oh, Paul's going to be preaching. It's going to go till midnight? Yeah, I'll be there. They were all excited about this. God's word is going to be fed. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17 Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, you see they had regular times. It was Lord's days. It was Sundays. They came together and he said, in the case of you guys, it is not for the better, but for the worse. They were coming together. They were coming together. First Corinthians 11, 18. For in the first place, when you come together, I hear that there are divisions among you. First Corinthians 11, 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat because they were desecrated creating it by their divisions and their their pride. 1 Corinthians 14, 23, if therefore the whole church comes together, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation, let all things be done for building up. So Paul's addressing them again and again. Now, when you come together, do this. Now, when you come together, do that. Now, when you come together, don't do the other. A whole lot of the focus of how they're going to do the Christian life in community, of how they're going to grow in the grace of God, focuses on when they come together. Now, I really don't like, I'm just going to tell you, I really don't like what COVID has done to the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm not complaining about people who are staying home because you have genuine concerns for your health. Bless you. We love you. We respect you. You come back when you're ready. We've been saying that all along. We're still saying that. But I don't like what it's done to you that you are not able to come. I don't like what it's done to some others who have become jammy Christians who are able to come, but who have just gotten kind of fat and lazy 
I can just watch it on Tuesday night if I want to. No, it's not the same. It really is not the same. I don't like that COVID has kept so many believers from engaging in the weekly event that God has designed for their well-being, for their blessing, for their growth, for their joy, for their good, and for the building up of the kingdom of God. It really hurts me to see what it's done. So I'm eager to see believers coming back as they're able and when they're able. Now let me give you one more verse, and then another, I'm sorry, one more verse for the moment. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, the apostle Paul Um, addresses them and says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This is one of the things that's supposed to happen when we gather. You are supposed to experience the corporate singing of spiritual, biblical, theological, heart-strengthening truths just about every week of your entire life on Sunday. This is an experience God has designed for you. And so many of you have had to miss it because of concerns you've had about COVID. We understand. But man, when you can come back, um, being in this room is a whole different animal than being at home alone in that room. And God wants you assembling with other brothers where we're singing together like we're just about to sing as the band is queuing up. I got one more verse in this section of the sermon. It's from Hebrews chapter 10. And Paul writes, sorry, the author of Hebrews, who I happen to believe is probably Paul. And let us consider, it's a mental word, let's think about, here's something for you to think about when you're getting ready to go to church on Sunday. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. So it's Sunday, what do I wanna do with my Sunday? I want to be with believers. I want to devote myself to doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. I want to go experience all the one another's, the give and take of all the one another's. And I want to be there and stir up. And right now I'm actually thinking of who I want to get with when I see them at church today. Because we talked last week and they were a mess. And they were broken and say they were so disheartened. Who do I need to go and stir up today? And you got them in your mind and you're praying for them and you look for them when you come into the doors of the assembly place. This is what he's talking about. Let's consider... See, it's so important that we do this with one another, but we have to be together and we have to be in community. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. And here's what would get in the way of that stirring, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. See, the time he expected them to do the stirring was at that time when they did the meeting. Maybe you can't get with people on Thursday to stir them. Maybe you can't get with people on Tuesday to stir them. But God intends that as you're able, you're with people on Sunday so you can stir and be stirred. What happens in this building is a big stir fest on Sundays. Let's just get in there and stir each other to love the Lord and to love other people and to love the lost and to do good works, stirring each other up to love and good works. So so we need the gathering We're back for community. Jesus Christ intends that every one of us, all of us blood-bought children, experience, as you're able, weekly gathered worship, prayer, reading Scripture, preaching the Word, singing Scripture songs, communion, baptism, fellowship. We encourage all of you who are watching online, join us, (coughs) pardon me, just as soon as you can. All right, that's the end of part one of the sermon. You want to sing some more? Say yes. Let's stand together and sing some more. All right.
Amen, amen, amen. Great singing. Please be seated again. And we're going to take a little bit more time now to do that thing that Paul did with Epaphroditus and all those folks in the 16th chapter of Romans. We're just going to show, we're going to name and show our esteem toward a few more folks who just served really, really faithfully, really energetically, long and hard uh, during our season of COVID. They've served all down through this year. I'm going to name these people, not ask them to stand, not ask them to come forward. Sorry, y'all, you don't get to do that like all those other volunteers did. But these are the people who are on our staff. These are people who are paid to be at part of Cornerstone. They're a great bunch of people. I've been a pastor a long, long time. I'm older than I look. Been, been at this a long time. And uh, I've had staff before in various churches and different staff in this church. I've never, I mean this, I've never loved working with a bunch of people so much as I love working with these people that I get to spend my weeks with, the staff members of Cornerstone Church. So let me name one of them for you. Brittany, who directs our children's ministry, took charge of the Sunday sign-ups, seating uh, in the room. She skillfully spearheaded discussions around the ever-changing protocol and worked on children's ministry design and a thousand other things and got the children's ministry back up and running. And she needs volunteers for that ministry. Just thought I'd throw that one in there. But um, Brittany, we're really thankful. Hold your applause, please, to all these have been named. Cindy Antique, our church administrator. Without Cindy, this is our so we all have one-sentence job descriptions, and then I've written for them, and I don't know if they even know what I have for them. I have a, I have a silly one-sentence job description, and her one-sentence job description is, she keeps the rest of us out of jail. That's her job, because she deals with finances, and she deals with government standards and legal things and so on, and somebody's got to keep us out of jail. If I ever end up in jail, it's her fault. She's the one who did it. But she's our church administrator. She did so much to hold this church together. That's what all these people that we've honored today have done. You kept our church alive down through this weird year that we've had to go through. We are forever grateful to you. Cindy also, um, in particular, had to wade into and through the complexity of the government payroll protection plan and uh, all of the, what was involved in that. Uh, I know she spent some Saturdays, long Saturdays, reading all the fine print, figuring it all out, and uh, she's the one who got it done. Thank you, Cindy. Hold your applause, everybody, please. Here's one who's not on our staff, but we're going to squeeze him in right there next to Cindy anyway. Bryce Bauer, not on staff technically, but he did so much research to help Cindy with that whole PPP approval process. Thank you, Bryce Bauer. We're indebted to you. And then we come to Jenny Harrison, one of our staff members. She's my administrative assistant. The way that works generally is I make messes, she fixes them. <laughs> That's her tongue-in-cheek job description. I fix what he messes up. So uh, that happens a lot. I have ideas, and she makes them happen. And she helped craft the protocol. She arranged seating, physically arranged it in the sanctuary, led design teams during our break from being in the building, stayed on top of research for doing church during COVID, and a ton more of that. Um, There's so many jobs. I throw more jobs at her because that's her job. She's someone I can throw jobs at, and uh, she takes care of them. So just tons of stuff. Thank you, Jenny. And uh, Jason Wallace, our worship pastor and elder, who headed up the research and the running of all the new stuff that's going on here in, in our worship service, live stream, sound equipment, leading the audiovisual team, shepherding people, as I said earlier, all while finishing his master's degree and being a husband and having a second baby. Thank you, Pastor Jason, for your time 
And then one more I'm going to squeeze into this staff category, although he's really not paid staff, but I'm just going to sneak him in right here anyway. His name is Pastor Stan. I want you to come up here right now, please, brother. Just come on up here. All right, would you just stand beside me here, please, brother? Pastor Stan, not a paid staff member, but Stan has been so heavily involved every week in leading services, leading us in communion, leading through various parts of the service, prayer meetings, um, giving counseling to members, staying in touch with sheep, and just a million other things. But um, Stan's been very special. I want him to come up here and stand here because we're going to say a little bit more about Stan and me uh, in a few minutes here. But uh, first, would you all show your appreciation to all the people I just named? Yeah. Yeah. Big time, big time. Oh, and you know what I think? I think I just messed up. Stan, I'm having you up later. Go have a seat, brother. You got some extra stage time out of that. This is the sermon part two, and the title of this part two of the sermon is Back for a Purpose. Back for community, and now back for a purpose. We're back for a purpose. And what is the purpose? Thank God we don't have to come up with our own purpose. What's our purpose as a church? Let's have a committee and make it up. Thank God we don't have to come up with it because our Savior, the head of the church, the great shepherd of the sheep, has handed us our purpose. It's in these rightly famous words taken from the gospel according to Matthew and chapter 28. Here I'll put the words before you on the screen. We read, and Jesus came and said to them, this is right before he ascends to the Father, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, what he's about to tell them to do, he tells them to do it with authority with all authority. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the sovereign of the universe. And he's about to tell his people to do something. So it's that one who is telling his people, meaning we better pay attention. We, we better listen to this. Whatever, it's, whatever it is he's going to say, it's going to be big and it's going to be good. Let's look at the next slide. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Find people who are not in the kingdom of God, share the gospel with them, lead them to saving faith in the Lord Jesus, and thus they become a disciple. Go therefore and make disciples, do it everywhere, of all nations. And what do you do once they say, I believe you baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Next verse, please. Verse 20, and you teach them, teaching them to observe or to do or to practice all that I have commanded you. And behold, this is not a fool's errand because I, the Savior who's talking, who has all authority in heaven and earth given unto him, he says that I'm with you. I'm with you in this. You're not alone. I'm with you. You have my presence with you. People are hard-hearted. Yes, but I'm with you in this. To the end of the age, we are back for a purpose and that is our purpose. We exist to glorify God by making disciples, by baptizing them, by teaching them to do everything that Jesus taught and commanded. That's the business of the church. We don't get to invent it. Jesus Christ hands it to us. That's what every faithful New Testament church on the planet is supposed to be doing. Did they do it in their day? Did they get it? 
Well, follow them around in the book of Acts. And what, what did they do? In every place we see, in every chapter in the book of Acts, they're leading people to Christ. They're forming churches. They're baptizing them. They're teaching people to observe all that Christ commanded. Let me give you a few examples. Acts chapter 14. Luke writes, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, see Luke is showing us, they are directly fulfilling the great commission. What Jesus told them to do is what they are here doing. He said, make disciples. They went to that city and they led a ton of people to Christ and thus they made many disciples. And then they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, go down to verse 22 now, strengthening the souls of the disciples. That's the other part of the Great Commission, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and encouraging them to continue in the faith. So Jesus told them in Matthew 28, here's your marching orders. Make disciples, grow disciples. If we have it, bring in, build up. And what we see them doing in the book of Acts is constantly bringing in and building up, and bringing in, and building up, and bringing in, and building up. Now, I want to take a moment and talk about bringing in. Somebody spoke to me a few, last week it was, or the week before, and uh, they had a little concern. They voiced it appropriately. We had a nice conversation. It's all good with them, but they said they were a, a little concerned about the emphasis on bring in. They thought it might just be a numbers thing. I want you to know, it, in one sense, it is absolutely a numbers thing, and in another sense, it is not at all a numbers thing. Here's the sense in which it is not at all a numbers thing. It is not a numbers thing, like we're not in some competition with other churches to see who can get the biggest number, all right? That's not the point at all. It's not so you can brag when you're around your pastor buddies, yeah, well, we have 300 people. Oh, yeah, well, we have 600 people. It's not a numbers thing like that. But you better believe it's a numbers thing when it comes to this. Every number, every unsaved person out there who needs to hear the gospel and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so they don't die in their sins and go to judgment and get sent to hell forever, every single one of them is a number. And those numbers matter. And we'd like to count a whole lot of those numbers we have another one believed on the Lord. That's a number. Here's another one has come to saving faith. That's a number. We like those numbers. We want a lot of those numbers. I would brag to other pastors about those numbers. Just kidding. All right. <laughs> I would tell them, sure, so we could rejoice together. But numbers matter when numbers indicate a soul who has passed out of darkness and into God's glorious light. And this that I'm talking about, this is just basic Biblical Christianity 101. This is not like some extraordinary, very rarely found on the planet Earth mode of Christianity. This is what we're here for. This is the church. This is what we do. We gather for a purpose. We gather to bring people in. We gather to build them up. This is what Jesus wants us doing. And we're back to, by God's grace, lead people to the Savior and grow them up in the faith. Now, this time I'm sure, because I have it highlighted in yellow, it is time for Pastor Stan to come up and enter the stage and lead us into communion. Thank you, Pastor Stan. All right. Have you ever heard such things as what we just did called glorifying the worm? I feel like we just went through our glorifying the worm ceremony. All right. You all didn't laugh as much as you should have. Go home and think about it. <laughs> So we're back for community, we're back for a mission, back for a purpose, and now very briefly, what's ahead? 
What's ahead for Cornerstone? Well, I don't know. No one knows what's ahead. We don't know what might befall us, but I know this. If we have life and health, if we're granted freedom to move about in the country, here's what's going to be ahead for us. We're going to keep on doing what we've been doing and seek to do it more and seek to do it better and seek to do it greater for the glory of God. That's what's ahead. Somebody came to a first take we had. First take is a little meeting that people who are new get to have with me after a service. We have a little lunch downstairs. Then they get to ask all their questions. And the last one was the most lively one ever, I think. There were so many questions about so many topics. And one, one lady asked the question. She found this church. She likes it. And she said, um, now I found this church and I really like it here. Uh, do you have any plans to change it? Like, don't change it, please, because I like it. And I was happy to assure her, well, we have plans to change things, but no, it, no. What you, what you have here is what we're going to be, Lord willing, only better and better versions of it. We're going to keep on bringing in. We're going to keep on building up. We're going to keep on preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. We're going to keep on teaching the whole counsel of God. We're going to keep on standing firmly on the scriptures, the word of God, the Old Testament and the New. We're going to keep on gathering for worship. We're going to keep on in our groups. We love our groups. Early in the book of Acts, I didn't read these parts earlier, but they met often in homes for little meetings. We talk about, we like to talk about, we do church in circles and in rows. In circles, that's when you're in your group and it gets more personal. And we do it in rows and that's when it's more like what we're doing right here. And we do both of those. We're going to keep on teaching kids God's word. We're going to keep on with our children's ministry. One of the most important things we do is what we do downstairs with our little ones. We love it. We're going to keep on and continue supporting other ministries. You might not know this, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown of some of the ministries we have supported in the past. We helped plant a church in Montenegro, in Milan, in Sicily, in California, in Baltimore, and we're helping another one in Baltimore right now, and in Harrisburg. We're currently supporting Freedom Church in Baltimore, a church in Germany, a church in Albany, New York, a, a ministry in Slovakia, we're looking at another church in Baltimore. I met with a pastor this week and thinking, hmm, maybe we can support them and their church plan a little bit. Uh, we're considering planting a church again ourselves. It's been too long. We planted Freedom 13 years ago. We've been too long without planting another church ourselves. So we're, we've begun talking about that. We support um, EFO, an outreach to needy children in Edgewood. Uh, Araminta, a ministry to end human trafficking. Two crisis pregnancy centers. Stan just mentioned one of those. We're going to keep the church online. We're going to keep it with social media. We're going to keep on. So where's the church going? Well, that's where we're going. More leading people to Christ, growing them up in the faith, and having the strong version of Christianity, if the Lord will help us to do so. Amen? Sound good? Amen. I'm going to pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Cornerstone Community Church. It's your church. We are your people. We are... but the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. And we pray down your mercy and your grace upon us. We pray down your power and the Holy Spirit upon us. May we be a biblical people. May we, we be a people for your possession and a people for your praise. Would you use us, we pray, to lead many to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Would you use us to build one another up and become strong, sturdy believers, strong in the things that are the kingdom of God. We're praying for all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.